Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Lit AF with me, your host, Sarah Cohan. I am, as always, so excited to serve up conversations about personal and spiritual growth, specifically geared towards the recovering, fearful, avoidant attachment style. I am proud to be one of the member of this community. I'm proud to be having these conversations, and I'm excited to be here with you. Okay, so today I'm going to be talking about the gifts of having a fearful avoidant attachment style. I'm also going to get into the other insecure attachment styles as well, because oftentimes a fearful avoidant will lean more towards anxious preoccupied or more towards dismissive avoidant. And so I want to get into the gifts of basically all the insecure attachment types, because there are many. And so often I feel like we can focus on getting to secure, acting secure, surrounding ourselves with secure people that we don't actually understand the the bountiful gifts that we are given with an insecure attachment style type. Basically, we pedestalize secure, the secure type. I'm trying to put us up on a pedestal right in line with the secure types. And before I get into that, as always, I have my weekly check-in. And my check-in for this week is actually going to be about my plants because spring is here, at least here in California. It came early. It came real early this year. It came kind of mid-February. We had a little heat heat wave, and then we had a really intense cold wave. It's We're up, we're down. I don't really even know what's going on anymore here in California. But all my plants are flowering and sprouting. It's just such a beautiful sight to see. And I always forget every winter when I have this one plant, it's like a a clover, like a red clover plant. And every winter it dies, slowly dies off. And it either will leave one flower going. It's a flower, but it's not really a flower. It's like leaves or none. I get so scared every time that the flowers go away because I'm like, fuck, are you dead forever? Can you tell I'm a really anxious parent type? (laughs) I haven't historically been the best plant mom. So I've really, really gotten a lot better about it recently, especially during the pandemic. But it makes me so nervous every time they leave in the winter. And I'm like, are you coming back? Is this it? Are we done? And I just have to trust that they're going to keep coming back. And so every spring when they do, it's just like this huge sigh of relief. And it's like hanging out with an old friend, to be quite honest, that I didn't get to see for a while. And I just love this because it's such a reminder. I know I always bring it back to personal growth, but it's just such a reminder that we need time. We as humans are on a similar cycle. We are very similar to our plant friends and we also need that season of rest, that season of um, pulling back, maybe not being in the spotlight all the time, maybe not being on all the time and really allowing us to, allowing ourselves to take that moment, that break in order to come back and shine even brighter. And and this is like, I'm talking like the schedule of your week, but then also just the, like the season of winter in general. Yeah, it's so important. So I'm inspired by my plant friends, as always. And <laughs> mostly I am really grateful that they're back. Um, I also have a peace lily in my bedroom and it is it's flowering right now. 
and the peace lily flower for my plant is like you maybe I'll get one or two a year and it just I feel so lucky to have it right now it's like a little every time it happens I'm like we're doing good (laughs) see how abundant we are (laughs) oh plant friends so fun so fun I do sing to them in case you were wondering I sing to them I pet them I talk to them and of course I water them. <laughs> yeah. It's been a journey. I used to overwater them. My yeah, it's just been such a journey. <sighs> so that's my check-in. And as always, I ask you if you're enjoying the show to please rate and review the podcast. Please, if you're feeling extra inspired, leave a review to share why you love this podcast. This helps new listeners to find the show. And if you're feeling like extra spicy today, share this podcast with a friend that might be interested in listening. Maybe you have a friend that's really interested in attachment style. This would be a good one for them, for sure. All right, let's get into this episode. So I've talked a lot on the podcast over, I mean, forever, since ever, about attachment style. And as I mentioned, it's it's becoming more of the focus of the show because it's a tool that I have used to really find confidence, become grounded, build self-trust, build self-love. It's just been so incredibly helpful for me. And so uh, oftentimes on the show, I'll talk about like the things that describe the fearful avoidant or the different attachment styles. And then the strategies that we use or have used that are outdated to relate to other people and to have relationships and to communicate. And what I thought would be really fun today is to kind of flip it a little bit and talk about the gifts of being the insecure attachment types. And the reason that I really want to cover this is that uh, sometimes I judge myself so much for having an insecure attachment type, especially when I first started learning, uh, learning how to heal my attachment style. I became focused, obsessed with acting and being secure. Um, And I think that I really judged my relationship with my husband as being insecure. And any time that he and I were having an argument or an, a moment that didn't represent a secure a relationship, I would get real frustrated and real judgy, like really judgmental about not us not being secure. So I think it's it's a common thing and it's easy to judge ourselves, right? But on the flip side of it, There's some incredible, incredible gifts that we learn through our attachment type. And so I wanted to make sure to cover that today to remind you, to remind all of us that we're we're not broken, first of all, but like this way that we grew up and the way that we modified to our environment does actually help us in some ways, in certain ways. So that's why I want to talk about it. And I'm just going to start with a fearful avoidant because hell, <laughs> we're here. Okay. So the first thing that I always think of 
as a gift of being fearful avoidant is comedy. Not only because I'm a comedian and that I did improv for so long, but because it is truly like so many of the people that I have met that have an insecure attachment type are some of the funniest fucking people that I know. And that's because we had to find humor in dark moments growing up. And so comedy is super, it comes easy to us and it um, is natural. Like I can't tell you how many situations where I'm in, especially in work where like there'll be a tense conversation going on. And then I'll just like throw in like a little joke, like, hey, let's all just remind ourselves that, you know, we don't have to take ourselves so seriously. So this is an incredible, incredible. And for me, it's my number one, number one gift of being a fearful avoidant attachment style and growing up with so much trauma. Because there was a couple things about humor. When people were laughing, I knew that I was safe. I knew that everyone was in a good mood and I knew that we were safe. And so <laughs> it, has, it has become something I use as a tool actually to make sure that I'm safe. And, and now I'm like, you know, I'm channeling this comedy to you to make sure that this these topics that we're talking about are never too heavy. So we're having fun while we're doing it. So that's a huge gift and I'm so appreciative of it. I do want to say that when I was in improv classes, I took a improv workshop from Jason Schatz, who's one of the funniest people I've ever worked with. I absolutely loved working with him. And he, he said during this workshop, he's like, all of you at one point in your life experienced something really traumatic. He's like, you wouldn't be here if you hadn't. Because, because of that moment, because of that traumatic moment, you turn to comedy for healing. And I just loved that. I'm like, oh, thank you. All these traumatic moments that I've experienced growing up, you've given me this incredible gift to be able to laugh. So uh, I love it. I love it so much. Okay. Another one is empathy. So this kind of relates to hypervigilance. So hypervigilance is when you're constantly keeping your little antennae radar open and out to see, to make sure that you're safe. It's kind of like outsourcing your validation. Like if someone else is upset, then you want to pick up on it and get ahead of it before it can be used against you or hurt you or make you feel unsafe or uncomfortable. So this hypervigilance, when unchecked, can be super unhealthy. You start to make stories um, and you make meaning out of everything and you're you're often blaming yourself for behavior for, for why someone is mad or why someone might be perceived as upset. It's a lot of trying to guess and and make up stories about why it's happening. Hypervigilance, when it is checked and when it is healthy, means that instead of making up stories, you can have so much empathy and pick up on emotional cues so quickly. You might have noticed this already about yourself. Like you pick up on your friend's emotions really quickly. You totally see the signs of when someone's having a bad day. I've seen this in groups, especially when um, someone is struggling or feeling like not included from the group. I'll pick up on that really quick. Um, and, and typically I'll try to like ask them a question so that they'll feel more included or switch the group dynamic a little bit so that it can be more inclusive of everyone, if that makes sense. So that empathy is not a tool that everybody has. And I, w- I want you to remember that that is really an incredibly special gift when channeled correctly, <laughs> when stories are not being made up. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Another one is resilience. And this is huge. Resilience is such a big topic. It's like there's so many courses about resilience and books and research being done about resilience. And it's, this is kind of amazing because you, as if you're full avoidant, have experienced so much sustained trauma over your childhood that you've just learned on the front lines how to be resilient, how to pick yourself up in the face of defeat and when things didn't go your way or when you didn't feel supported, when someone else didn't support you. You know, because you've had to do it so many times already, how to pick yourself up again and just start over. And that's an incredible skill that not every single person knows. You were forced to learn it. And for that, I am sorry. But it is really, truly, what a gift. Another one is creativity. And I've heard this a lot. I love this one. Oftentimes, your brain as a child, when you're going through abuse or a tough situation, your brain will just take you to another another land, another place. I had a friend that was so um, so frustrated with her classmates that she used to dream that she was turning into like a really cool animal and that everyone was so impressed with her, you know, like in her dream world that her friends like loved this cool animal that she was being. And so she made all these cool friends in this imaginary world being this animal. And so that to me is creativity, being able to come up with that story, transport yourself to another place. Yes. <laughs> It is a form of numbing out. It is a form of numbing out for sure. It is a form of bypassing. But when there's a creative element, I think that that is like a gift again that you can use as an adult that you you honed as a child. Another one is wisdom. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen this hilarious video from Saad Simone where <laughs> he's, you know, it's like one of those like voice reels and someone's like, how did you get your so wise? And he looks at them and he's like, it's called trauma, baby. <laughs> I just love that so much. So wisdom definitely comes from trauma for sure. Anyone that's been through this knows it. And then that also paired with that is self-awareness um, because, because you, you know, you experienced so much suffering and when we are suffering, we become self-aware. So those are the incredible gifts of the fearful avoidant attachment style. It is something to be celebrated. I think you should always be celebrating yourself and not judging yourself for one second about your attachment style because we had no control over these strategies as a child. We had no control over our parents. We were just put in the environment that we were put in, that we, cho we were chose to put in, some believe. So I really do want you to celebrate that for sure. Hey there. I hope you're enjoying this week's episode. I know I am. If you're enjoying the Lit AF podcast, I humbly ask you to make a financial contribution to the Lit AF tip jar. Your support will help make this podcast happen. Financial contributions help to cover costs like podcast hosting site, podcast recording software, and it also helps us to pay our amazing, talented podcast editor that brings us these sweet episodes every single week. Monthly and one-off donation options are available, and we've got some sweet thank you gifts for everyone participating. 
If you're interested in making your financial contribution, please visit sarahcohan.com forward slash tip jar. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com forward slash tip jar. Now back to this week's episode. Thank you so much. Okay, so to get into the other types, some of the gifts of being an anxious preoccupied, we're going to start with them, is their incredible ability to see problems that might come. I mean, think about the anxious preoccupied. They're anxious, right? They're worried. They're constantly thinking about what's ahead, what could lead to abandonment or rejection, what could, you know, what could lead to someone leaving, something like that. So they're really incredibly good. I think of this as the Enneagram six type. If you're into the Enneagram, both my husband and a really good friend of mine are sixes, and they are so good at thinking about problems way ahead of when they could possibly occur so that we're ready for them. And these are things that I just like never fucking think about, like making sure my car is registered (laughs) or making sure that we're going to have all the supplies we need for our camping trip, like per se. So super incredible ability. And I think that is super helpful, like in a job, in a relationship, creating a home, having kids. That is really, truly a special gift. Anxious preoccupies are also fully devoted in their relationships. They fall hard, they fall fast, and they're extremely devoted. I mean, often we see anxious preoccupies in relationships with dismissive avoidance um, because opposites attract, but also they're learning something from each other. And so I think to me, this is something that anxious preoccupies can really, really teach us is being fully devoted in our relationships and living that life, living that reality. Like it's such a cool feeling to experience and then learn and also give to someone else. As someone that leans avoidant, this is definitely something that I'm learning from my husband. And another cool thing that anxious preoccupies really help us with is to help see us positively. So they help their partners especially to see themselves positively because they can be really flattering, but they also just see these things in ourselves that we don't necessarily see. So that's super helpful to be able to have someone else, like we're all interdependent, right? To have someone else validate what we think about ourselves or or sometimes we don't actually believe. So sometimes we need someone someone to be our vision holder, really, so that we can eventually start to see it for ourselves. And then for dismissive avoidance, I know, dude, dismissive avoidance, we're uh, we're a tough breed. <laughs> we really like to be alone, but dismissive avoidance can teach us about independence. And that's kind of the flip side of like anxious preoccupieds being so devoted in relationships. On the flip side of that, the dismissive avoidant can teach us how to be independent. And I think that's a really important thing in our culture and and for for me especially, like I've had to learn very recently how to be independent and how it's okay to be independent. And I don't mean I don't need anyone. I don't like, I can't trust anyone. That is not the type of independence that I'm talking about. The type of independence I'm talking about is being able to share, you know, ask for help when you need it, ask for your needs to be met, 
those kinds of things, but then have the opportunity to, to maybe, you know, once in a while, maybe once a week, go do something on your own and see what it feels like to be in your own space in that doing something independently. Also, dismissive avoidance tend to have a high opinion of themselves as a trauma response. They had to because no one else really did when they were growing up. And so a lot of people often read this as being narcissistic. And so I do apologize for anyone in a relationship with a dismissive avoidant that is exhibiting these behaviors. (laughs) It is truly a trauma response. And I think that there's something to learn here too. Everything's kind of like in this like unhealthy checked, the healthy checked kind of thing. So if you have a high opinion of yourself and it's way too inflated and you're being narcissistic and manipulative and and not really caring about other people, that's kind of the unchecked side of it. But the checked side of it is that you do have this self-confidence that oftentimes the flip side of the attachment spectrum, the anxious preoccupied needs. And so I think that is something we can all learn from a dismissive avoidant is how to have that higher self, higher opinion of yourself in general. Like I think we all need that in a healthy way, in a very checked kind of way. (laughs) And then um, the last one, which is kind of the flip side of, again, of the anxious preoccupied, is to slow down in relationships. So dismissive avoidance often are slow to get into relationships. And I feel so bad, but like a lot of people can feel like they're being ghosted by dismissive avoidance, but truly that's just the pace that they are moving at because they couldn't trust anyone. They were so neglected growing up. They could not trust anyone. And so they are slow to jump into anything. And again, keeping a healthy balance of that. I think it's really important to not dive in too quickly and to take it a little bit slower when you're starting a relationship to really get to know one another and to kind of, you know, be, be both independent and interdependent at the same time. So those are the gifts of the different attachment styles. And I hope your takeaway from this is if you have an insecure attachment style to be loud and proud about it. We've got nothing to hide. <laughs> we are there's nothing wrong with us. It just means that we had different strategies on how to be in relationship with other people. And I think you know, all of us are learning how to act in a more secure way. I think it's okay and a good thing for that to be the waypoint, like the guiding light, the destination, but never for one second do I want you to think that anything is wrong with you by having an insecure attachment style type. Plus, like you're joined by so many, so many of us humans, 50% of population is secure. So you're in good company. (laughs) You're here with the best of us. And I encourage you to start to heal your attachment style. Because as I like to say, living the lit AF life is your birthright. And I hope that you can celebrate your insecure attachment style type this week. All right. That's it for the show. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions about your attachment style type, being a fearful avoidant, or if you just want to share with me your 
attachment style journey or your healing journey, I would love to hear from you. Send me a message on Instagram at it's me, Sarah Cohan. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N. I'm I'm not kidding. I do want to hear from you. I would love to learn more about where you're at in your journey and what's gotten you um, this far. All right. I'm sending you so much love. I love you all. Have a wonderful week. That's it for today's show. Thank you so, so, so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed. If you have a moment and you're in the Apple Podcast app, please rate and review the show. I could really use all the ratings I can get. And please share this episode with a friend that may benefit from it. Of course, hit subscribe to keep up with new weekly episodes. And if you're interested in supporting the show and being part of the Lit AF community, join our Patreon by visiting sarahcohan.com forward slash tip jar. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com forward slash tip jar. Thank you again for listening. Please stay lit, lit AF, and I hope to see you back here next week.